In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace be yours in abundance, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. One of the most popular and common themes in pop music is love or relationships. It is these songs that have defined for many people in the United States what love means. The word is strongly associated with a feeling or an emotion. That emotion can be a deep-seated affection or superficial affection. But it is still seen primarily as a feeling one has. This strongly contrasts with the use of the word in our epistle reading today. There is a gap of understanding here. In fact, the King James Version of the Bible seems to acknowledge this gap of understanding as it uses the word charity instead of love in this passage. Rather than being centered in my emotions, the word in 1 Corinthians 13 is centered on the other person's well-being. Love here is self-sacrificing for the benefit of another. Hence, the word charity captures that here. Now, perhaps you have heard that there are four main words in Greek that can be translated as love. Only two of those love words are used in the New Testament. One of those words deals with brotherly love and affection, philios. The other word is agape and is used to define God's love and how we should likewise love others. As you look at the list here of what love is, you will come away with a different understanding of love than we are taught in songs and movies. Just look at verse 5. Here we are told that love is not rude, which is not only about being courteous, but about honorable behavior. Love exhibits honor for the other person. Love gives respect to the other person. It does not ask someone to violate God's commands. If we continue on in verse 5, it says that love does not insist on its own way. That is to say, love is not seeking its own benefit. Love seeks the benefit of another. That's why verse 4 says that love is not envious, boastful, or arrogant. It's not about me. It's about another. It's not about oneself. This is also why verse 5 says that love is not irritable or resentful. The one who loves is not easily provoked into opposing the one that is loved, nor to thinking evil about that one, because he has put aside his personal feelings and thoughts in order to seek what is good for the one he loves. Now, such is backwards to what we hear and see in so many stories, where love is about what I get out of the relationship, whether it be a good feeling or some other benefit. Love is presented as something that serves me. But such self-serving love is not true love. It is a pale imitation of true love. If we want to see true love, we can see how God loved His people Israel. 
Though they rebelled against him and sought the affection of other nations and gods, the Lord did not give up on his people. He kept his word to them and sought their good. He sent prophets like Jeremiah to bring his word to them. As God explained to Jeremiah, he put his words in the mouths of the prophets like him in order to pluck up, break down, destroy, and overthrow their sin. He corrected them and called them back to himself. He disciplined them and taught them who he is. He reached out to them again and again. He forgave their transgressions and sins against him. He covered over all their wrongdoing. He acted for their benefit and for their deliverance. He sacrificed for them. He gave his life to deliver them from the death and destruction they had earned. He suffered for their benefit. He suffered when he didn't have to do so. He showed compassion and mercy to his people who did not deserve such. God commanded one of his prophets, Hosea, to marry a woman who was unfaithful. And despite this, Hosea remained married to her. He even redeemed her from her unfaithfulness and brought her back into his house. This was a sign pointing to how God likewise loved his people despite their unfaithfulness to him. In an even greater way, God redeemed them from their sins and transgressions. Here we begin to see the true meaning of love. It is not only self-sacrificing for the benefit of another, it is a commitment to action. Love is an enacted decision to sacrifice of oneself for the sake of another. Love is what God does. Without such love, life is meaningless. Without such love, any great accomplishment is purely self-serving. This is why Paul lifts up love in 1 Corinthians as the most excellent or extraordinary way. Love gives meaning to our lives and our world. It means even when everything else fades, passes away, or ceases, love remains. This is the kind of life to which we are called. We once lived like a child, embracing life like a child, thinking like children. We valued things from the limited perspective of children. But now, now we see more clearly. Now that we see what love truly is, although still dimly in this world, we're called to put aside such childish ways and embrace the way of love. This God is set before us. And this we live in when the world comes to an end. And we forever put aside all the childish things of this world. Now, while we cannot fully do this now, God calls us to put away the childish values of this world for the everlasting values of God. Love is not and will not be destroyed. It does not fall down or fail. It remains for it undergirds all of God's work and action for us. It remains as the fundamental action and work to which we are called. 
Love is central to the meaning and design of creation. Such love God enacted on the cross for you. This whole chapter describes that love of Christ Jesus to sacrifice of himself for you. That's the love described here, shown to you. He gave of himself to bring healing and life into this world. All his miracles pointed to that compassion, mercy, and kindness that found its fullness in Jesus dying for the whole world. God was not too proud or puffed up to come down into our world and to serve his creation, living as one of us and even dying as one of us. He did not act as a braggart, although he was above all. He sacrificed and gave for you and me. He acted so that we would not be destroyed when he set the world right again. He acted to bring us out of sin and death and into his new creation. He acted to forgive us all we have done wrong, to cover over and not count our evil actions against us. This act of life and new creation, he imparted to us in baptism. In those blessed baptismal waters, we receive God's love enacted for us on the cross. He sends his Holy Spirit to impart faith to us and to forgive you and me of our evil. Though you did nothing, nor had anything to offer him, he gave you the most amazing gift of love. Not only are we gifted with his love for us, his sacrifice that washes us clean in baptism, but his Holy Spirit moves and works in us this love of us. This love of his that he has given to us. We're called to this action and sacrifice as God's people and body. We're called to a love that forgives and endures and much, much more. We're called to assess whether our own lives have been lived according to God's definition of love. Where we have failed, we look to his love and his forgiveness in Christ Jesus and his cross. And from there, we move forward to live in that love and forgiveness the Holy Spirit has imparted to us. We make changes in our life so that our actions would line up with what true love is. For everything else will not last. Prophecies, knowledge, and more will cease. But godly love, which gives meaning and purpose will remain. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.